You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, I'm former Buffalo Bills wide receiver Don Beebe, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellas on Circling the Wagons podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. Because nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. He is one of the many talented writers over at buffalorumblings.com, keeping you informed on your favorite team throughout the season. He does articles all year round, but is focusing on each of the players on the Bills roster right now in his 90 Players in 90 Days series. So he's one of the most knowledgeable writers when it comes to the main guys on the roster and a bunch of the camp sleepers. I'd like to welcome Sean Murphy back to the podcast. Sean, it is so good to talk to you again. How are you? Likewise, man. I'm, I'm good. It's, uh, it's been a little while since we talked last, so it's, it's nice to be back on. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. The last time that you were on was two years ago at the very beginning of training camp. You were able to get some press passes and uh, you were on the field. You were a St. John Fisher. You were taking video of of stuff going on the sidelines. We went over to some brewery in Webster right after. We had a few beers. The audio wasn't so good, but, you know, I'm figuring my way out. That, That was new. And that feels like a lifetime ago when you think about all the things that have happened just in that two years, you know? Yeah, literally. I mean, I I remember before I I left because I was trying to convince my wife that I I could go the four and a half hours up to Rochester from where we are in the Hudson Valley and stay. And she was like, it's just practice. You're going to go and watch practice. And I was like, yeah, but honey, like, how often do I actually get to do this? I've all I've thought about it. And who knew that it was going to be the last or possibly the last one? I know that Brandon Bean keeps talking about wanting to get back to Fisher, but with a state-of-the-art facility in Buffalo, more teams are moving away from that. I very well could have accidentally attended uh, the last camp at Fisher. And fun story that I don't think I told you last time, I was sitting there on the first day that I was at practice, and I've got my phone out, and I'm looking around, and guys are asking, all right, who's not on the field? And I said, well, I can't find Barkley. Like Matt, Matt Barkley is, is nowhere to be found. And all of a sudden, I hear like a click-clack right behind me and I hear gotta move and I take two steps to my left and I almost got bowled over by Matt Barkley who you don't think of as being a very big quarterback but I mean I'm 6'3 and this guy was like all up in my business and he outweighs me by by a cool 20-30 pounds and he would have made me like you know OJ at the end of uh the naked gun (laughs) or whichever guy that was Ricardo Montalban oh yeah uh, tossed off the stadium. <laughs> so I, I came very close, uh, up close and personal with uh, our now former backup quarterback. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> you almost made the press conference when uh, getting bowled over by the backup quarterback. You'd be like, how's that How's that guy from buffalorumblings.com doing? Uh, We'll have to go. Uh, who? Who? Who's that guy? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, that. but that I remember us like kind of, you know, fanning out about that stuff because of all the the media members that we followed and stuff like that that we'd followed for for years and being able to you know see some of the there were so many cool training camp stories that time and now the biggest story you know it's not even normally a training camp story is the Josh Allen contract and Josh Josh Allen I'm sure you were probably glued to your phone after you know Friday afternoon you know, uh, uh, this past weekend and, you know, you're seeing the details come out. Josh Allen is now going to be our franchise quarterback through possibly 2028. Um, this was something that was discussed as one of the bigger training camp moves or, or, 
or extensions in general for the team. And it's, it's, I'm glad it's done. This is a good place to be at. I was psyched. Um, how did you feel when you heard it? And I mean, just in general, what do you, what do you think about the extension? It's a great deal. I mean, I feel like with these kind of things, you don't want to be last. You want to be first. You don't want to wait for somebody else to set the market and then have to say, well, wait a minute, Lamar Jackson got this amount and I threw for this many yards and this many touchdowns or Baker Mayfield got this amount. So now everybody else can look and say, whoa, 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 but Josh Allen got this amount. I should get this and I should get that. So now what looks like a quote unquote huge extension. And obviously it is gigantic, $258 million, $258 million, no matter how it goes. Uh, but in a few years, not even a few years, you got to assume that Jackson and Mayfield are both going to have higher contract amounts. So this is another one of those, like you're a wizard, Brandon type moves where this guy sees what he wants, takes care of business, locks him down and, and, still gives the bills the flexibility in terms of the money to make some moves. I mean, I've seen that uh, there, there's years towards the end there where if this goes south and somehow Allen doesn't play well, it's not like they're locked in and it's going to tank the cap like with Jared Goff, like with Carson Wentz. It's, it's going to give the bills some financial flexibility and it doesn't really kick in until that new TV deal kicks in either. Like every little tiny structural detail you could have checked off. It's it's brilliant. I, I think he did a great job. And if you really want to talk funny, uh, I, I brought this up and Matt Warren and I are the boss man. We're talking about it the other day uh, when Jim Kelly signed his second contract. He was the NFL's highest paid player. It was a 20 million dollar deal total. Wow. That was in 1990 he signed that deal to send him through the 96 season. Rob Johnson got a five-year, $25 million contract. And everybody was like, well, you know, we're paying him $25 million. We'd better uh, go ahead and, and handle that. Ryan Fitzpatrick's deal, I believe, was $70 million in, in 2011. So you're looking at, at this giant explosion in terms of the market. Mm -hmm. uh, and we can sit there and say, wow. Allen got $258 million. What a bargain. <laughs> it's just such a crazy time that we live in where that's, that's what we could look at and say, yeah, you know what? That's a market contract. That makes sense. It's not going to blow the salary cap up. And, and they've got their guy. The guy, Allen is clearly the guy. So for him to be able to be locked up, to know that we don't have to even worry about who's playing quarterback. After, you know, 25 years in the wilderness, it's it's kind of nice to be able to sit down and have that taken care of. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to think we earned it as fans finally getting something for sticking it out this oh. long. You know, you I, I don't I don't know about your your age, like you're started and ended at. But like I was in eighth grade when the, the playoff drought started like that. <laughs> the music city miracle game was middle school. Mm -hmm. And by the time they went and played the Jaguars, I had graduated college. I had been teaching for 10 years. <laughs> I had two kids. I was met like the, the things that happened in my life yeah. in this span. I, I think we've earned this at this point. <laughs> yeah. We had a whole lifetime of the drought. That was a whole teenager's life, like growing up, like being born and basically being off to college or whatever, living on their own. Like that's what we experienced as a fan, mm -hmm. as a fan base. That's yeah. so funny. You brought up so many good points in, in, in that discussion just now. I The first thing I want to ask you is, as far as like you were just mentioning the Jim Kelly contract, I mean, this is the biggest contract extension since blank. I mean, I put it up on there on Twitter and this, you mentioned Jim Kelly, obviously like that, the last Jim Kelly extension probably has to be part of this conversation. Um, I mean, I, I would argue, I was thinking about this a lot over the weekend. I think the Tredavious White extension and then, you know, obviously to a similar extent, the Deion Dawkins extension was were also up there as far as the franchise retaining some of the most important players in the building blocks within the organization. Can you think of another one, maybe not even money wise, but just importance wise to the franchise that that this even competes with, if if anything? Yeah, I, I think that in terms of signaling where they are, 
the only one that you could really compare it to is is the Kelly deal, just in knowing that it's the most important position on the field and they have it set because that's when is really the last time that they gave a quarterback a second contract that was a real contract? Yeah. You know, the Kelly deal was there. They we talked about Fitzpatrick briefly there. But even then, I feel like he got his money and everybody was happy for him. We loved the guy. But there was always in the back of the head, like, is this guy actually that guy? Oh, yeah. uh, Tyrod Taylor got another deal. Uh, but that was more restructure like, hey, buddy, we we like you, but we don't love you. We're going to take you out of here at some point. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that uh, you brought up two good ones in White and Dawkins. I think that Marcel Darius was another biggie. Uh, and I I'd like to think that that Mr. Big Stuff got screwed a little bit in terms of changing schematics uh, more so than some of his, uh, you know, lazier tendencies, mm-hmm. if you will. I think that anybody can get frustrated when you're asked to do one thing, you do it really well. And then all of a sudden the franchise asks you to change what you do again because mm-hmm. they can't find the coach again. And then all of a sudden it's okay. Well, now what do you want me to do? I've had to do five different things for you people. Uh, <laughs> where, where do we go? So I, I think that the Darius was maybe the first of those more recent. We're keeping our talent. Mm-hmm. It just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And that could have made the bills gun shy in terms of paying Tredavious White, in terms of paying Deion Dawkins, in terms of paying Josh Allen. And thankfully, they're they're smarter than than some of the average bears there because White is obviously at another level uh, as, as a person, as a player. Uh, Dawkins, another level. And I think you also pay guys at positions that are greater priorities. I think a lockdown corner, uh, a cornerstone left tackle, and not to say that an interior defensive lineman isn't worth a hundred million dollars. I mean, Donald comma Aaron would beg to differ with that, but Marcel Darius isn't Aaron Donald. And that's not to say that he's no good. That's like when guys sit there and compare Ed Oliver and say, why doesn't he have 12 sacks? Why isn't he doing this? He was supposed to be Aaron Donald. He was built like him. So that's what it was. Well, he's not Aaron Donald and he's not in the same defense as Aaron Donald. And he's not being asked to do the same things Aaron Donald does. So it's it's really hard to compare a lot of times those defensive tackles do the ugly stuff without the statistical glory. Uh, Meanwhile, you've got, you know, when the left tackle screwed up because the quarterback is broken on the ground or the running back got stopped for four yard loss. You know, when the cornerback screwed up because the receiver is running wide open and everything is is screwed from that point. So I, I think that they've done a nice job prioritizing who they pay how they pay them and it's it's reaping the benefits where we've again as fans we've earned this we we've watched them go from a bumbling group to arguably one of the best run uh teams in in the nfl if not in pro sports honestly i i don't even think that's too crazy to say like they're the things that they do other teams are emulating but it's they're they're good they're really good so it's it's nice yeah yeah you know uh, a few things you you we don't give Brandon Bean enough credit, and I know we all love Brandon Bean, but everything that you mentioned—I mean, I was just talking about you know Dawkins and and Tre'Davious White extensions. I mean, obviously the Josh Allen extension now, Matt Milano—they haven't really lost any of their key staple pieces of their franchise. Like remember when Pat Williams left to the Vikings back in the day because they couldn't pay him. They couldn't pay Antoine Winfield and eventually Nate Clements left. Like all these guys, they just, Jabari Greer, like these were talented players, but they they just didn't have the cap space for it or the the team wasn't well managed. And, you know, the, the other point that you mentioned at the very beginning about getting it done sooner, being the first to sign the guy in that position when there's there is a log jam of other players maybe not a log jam but there's several other players that need to also get paid and being the first one to do it means that like like last year Travis White got his contract extension Jalen Ramsey was still waiting for his contract extension yep. Travis White got signed Jalen Ramsey got like an extra two or three million dollars per year more than Travis White and it's like are they really that much is is Jalen Ramsey really that much better than Tredavious White? I don't think so. I think I think it was just the timing and the negotiating tactics of Brandon Bean, and he he just keeps doing it over and over again. We haven't lost anyone of significance yet. Knock on wood. And 
and and he does it first. That's so important because, like you said, like the the TV deal that comes out, the gambling deal that comes out in a couple of years. I mean, you could be talking about right now. We're talking um, quarterbacks making roughly forty two to forty three million dollars a year on average. With that going up, who knows if Trevor Lawrence's deal or whoever the next tier of quarterbacks deal is like fifty plus million dollars a year. And you know, people are like, "Well, this is this is a big cap hit. He's the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL." And Josh Allen, and it's like, yeah, you know, in a couple of seasons, he might not even be top ten, depending on how how everything goes out and who actually gets paid and stuff like that. So it'll be it'll be interesting to watch this. Yeah, I mean, it, look, if they if the other teams now sit there and say, well, Josh got his money, so now we have to go ahead and sign our guys up, he might not even be top five by by the beginning of next season. He probably <laughs> won't be realistically. That's the market moves very quickly, especially at that position. So I, I think that the the deal was a solid one. I think I've I've read some trepidation coming mostly from national sources where the, the refrain is, well, they paid the guy for one good year. But one of Allen's quotes was, they're not paying me for what I did. They're paying me for what they expect me to continue to be. And that's the investment that you make. You don't pay a guy for past. You pay a guy for the future returns. You pay a guy because you expect him to be great. And I think he showed after last year and really with his development from the time he entered the starting lineup to the time that he hurt his elbow against the Houston Texans. And then he had to sit and watch. And when he came back and from that point forward, the kid has just done nothing but get better from every single thing that he does. He couldn't read a defense. Now he's reading defenses. He couldn't hit a guy in stride over the middle. Now he's doing it. Okay, so he struggled a little bit last year at points hitting the deep ball. Well, what do you think he's been working on? The guy just doesn't stop. No matter how good he is, he's not satisfied with being good. He wants to be great. He wants to be the best. And that chip on his shoulder, I think, is what you invest in. And he's He's it. You said that he might be the second highest quarterback, uh, highest paid quarterback in terms of the cap hit, right? How many guys would you take over him at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Not many. Not many. That's that's for sure. Like coming into last year, I might have been able to give you a 12 to 15 person list off the record because I don't want my comment sections of the articles to be uh, telling me to to put random things in random orifices (laughs) for the rest of my life. But I, I think that now... I could realistically there there might be two or three dudes, four, five, where I would say, okay, like, yeah, I'll take Mahomes over him. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to just blanket sit there and be like, definitely Aaron Rodgers. Well, eh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I get Rodgers when he was 28 or do I get Aaron Rodgers at 40? I don't know. I think I'd rather have Allen right now. Yeah. So it's a cool spot to be in where it's like, yeah, this guy's good and, and he's paid and he's locked up and. My my seven year old will be preparing for his sophomore year of high school when Allen's contract runs out. It's crazy. It's awesome. I'm I'm pretty hyped. That is pretty. I I absolutely want to go into training camp stuff. I just you, you know you brought up this last point about you know Josh Allen and part of me thinks you know we're fans we produce content for the Buffalo Bills and I can't help but think that part of this signing also helps by the fact that Josh Allen as a person, as a human being, as a player is so likable Mm -hmm. in general, because you talked about, you know, you mentioned a few guys like Aaron Rodgers at 36, like would I rather have him, you know, age is one thing, but like the likability of Josh Allen over Aaron Rodgers, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is a jerk or whatever. He does not come off nearly as likable as Josh Allen or even his predecessor in Brett Favre. Brett Favre was like, you know, a little kid playing football, right? man yeah rogers is a little bit of an acquired taste it seems like and then you have little videos like what circulated yesterday or the day prior when they had that practice at the stadium and alan's walking around playing catch with kids to to warm up but that's that's awesome that's yeah. again that's the kind of thing that endears you to a community and endears you to a group and and really just it shows why he's he's right i mean it's it's the confluence of everything it's the, a confluence the off of bing english teacher word the, <laughs> the whole everything on the back where you're sitting there and he's playing well 
and he's acting the right way and he's you don't have to worry about him coming out and saying anything stupid you don't have to worry about like what he's doing on saturday night at uh you know down on chippewa street or whatever you just have to worry yeah. about what he's doing on the field and he's doing all the right stuff absolutely or at a massage parlor but we won't get into that so <laughs> jeez jeez it's so nice to it's so nice to just like my quarterback and not be like well he wins us football games it's like no he wins us football games and he's so damn likable yep. it is it is fun being a fan um so let's go into training camp in general um like i mentioned you do um this great series of articles and a ton of other things about the Rollings, not just this article series but um you know 90 players 90 days you pay attention to these players more than, like I said, just about anybody does as far as strengths, weaknesses, where they play, where they fit on the roster, um, you know, contract structure. I mean, all this really cool stuff. And then you have some projections and then you kind of watch as as training camp goes along, as mini camp goes along, all those things. And you kind of see where they actually end up in their pecking order on the roster. What has been some of one of the biggest surprises to you so far in reading training camp observations and, you know, looking at where the player, where you had the pegger player pegged at and where they're actually at now. I, I think, and I don't think I'm the only person and there's going to be some people, I feel like Kelly, after they beat the saints now, who thought that Jake Kumaro was going to be the top guy. Hands are going to go up. You're a liar. You're a liar. You're a liar. Like it's reading everything about Kumaro. And sitting there from me going, ah, you know what? He's a nice story. He's a nice dude. Maybe we can flip him back to the Packers for a conditional fifth round draft pick so that they can make Rodgers happy. Uh, one of my buddies is a Packer fan, and I was busting his balls about that the other day. He was like, Kumro's looking great in your camp. I said, I think they're just trying to boost his value up so that they can uh, you know, ball up, uh, what's his name, Gutenkunst or whatever down there in, in Green Bay. Yeah. Uh, but to think that I kind of had written him off as being maybe a practice squad guy. He's probably not going to hang around to that guy might be the nominal sixth wideout slash special teamer. And he might actually end up catching like five or six touchdown passes because he's huge. He has great hands. Um, he apparently likes making hemp bracelets, uh, according to his, uh, his thing sitting there on his, his bio on the website. But he's uh, he's an interesting cat, man. Like that's been my biggest shock is how well he's performed and how I kind of had written him off as camp fodder to now I almost want to slide him into. It feels crazy to call him a roster lock. But if you're going to look at the top four as being set in stone with Diggs and Sanders and Beasley and Davis. And I think that McKenzie has to be five, then six with Kumaro, with his special teams ability, with his size, with his speed, with his receipt, the camp he's having. I, there's your six right there. Yeah. And that negates two draft picks in Marquez Stevenson this year and Isaiah Hodgins last year. And Bean doesn't like to get rid of those picks. He likes to hold on to those guys. So I, I am shocked at how well Kumaro has played and I think he's forced himself onto the roster at this rate yeah he was just getting first team reps behind uh with Stefan Diggs getting a, a veteran uh rest day um a little while ago which is insane to think that a guy just moved up the roster I mean everything that you mentioned is is so interesting to me to see and I and part of me wonders you know, I don't think it has to do with Aaron Rodgers' comments about how he thought that Jake Kumaro was the second best wide receiver in Green Bay when they cut him and how much he loved him. It just goes to show you, like, there is talent buried in NFL rosters. And it's just sometimes it's just the matter of everything going perfectly for it to actually shine and, and get a shot. To me, that's one of the more interesting things besides, you know, I'm, I'm excited that he's doing this, but um, do you look at any possible way that the Bills keep seven wide receivers? Because you mentioned top six, and with the way that Isaiah McKenzie is playing, especially kick returning, punt returning, I mean, he's their guy at that position. They'll need at least six, and I got to think that they're worried about letting Isaiah Hodgins reach, go through roster cuts and get picked up by another team because you know he definitely has the ability to uh, land on a roster as like a fifth or sixth wide receiver. Do you think there's any way that they possibly keep seven and find a way to get him on the roster? I'd like for them to do it. And the way that I would do it, 
and it feels risky, but I would go with two quarterbacks. I don't think that you need to keep a Fromm or a Davis Webb because one of the two of them, if not both of them, you can stash on your practice squad. So if, especially if the rules stay as they are and, uh, and you're able to keep the expanded practice squads uh, with guys coming up and down, uh, almost like a taxi squad, I, I would really like to see them because they're going to have log jams at other positions too. The defensive line is a mess trying to figure out how they're going to get to McDermott and, and Frazier usually go with nine along the line tops. They, they've stuck with eight in the past, but I see 10, 11 guys who could legitimately stake a claim to a roster spot. Then you go with the offensive line. They usually go with nine. So how are we going to start fitting this? Um, I don't remember who it was that tweeted it. Um, it might have been somebody like Nate Geary or, or one of those guys who, again, is, is they're a hell of a lot smarter than I am. They're they're connected in here. But they looked at it and said, the first team that I'm looking at after the roster cuts, if I'm another NFL GM, is Buffalo. Because there's starters that are going to get cut here. And there are guys who are going to end up playing for teams. Hodgins, like you said, is one. Um, I think Stevenson is another guy who... We've heard a lot about his kick return ability, but when I was looking at his college numbers, it was either his sophomore or his junior year at Houston. He caught like 70 balls, had well over a thousand yards, eight touchdowns. Like the guy is is a monster in space. He just can't stay healthy. So do they try to slip him onto the practice squad and then keep Hodgins as a seventh? But then you're risking losing somebody else that you might like. Maybe they really like Jake Fromm. Who knows? I, I haven't seen him. So I, I don't know. I've only seen him when he was wearing a Georgia uniform. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they really like uh, one of those back end defensive linemen like a Daryl Johnson, who uh, who Scarecrow wrote about a uh, really nice piece when Heath Farwell was talking about how great Johnson is. And could you imagine, by the way, a six, seven, 260 pound guy sprinting at you on special teams? Like that's that's the stuff of nightmares, man. That's <laughs> I don't want that guy. He's my favorite dude to watch on kick coverage yeah. because. He comes screaming in and my father has said it in, you know, less polite terms. But like, who is that giant dude sprinting down the field and what is he doing on the kick coverage unit? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's Daryl Johnson and he's a bad man. And and they have dudes like that, that you could say like they're on the border. But I think that Buffalo getting down to 53 is going to be hard because numbers 54 to like 61 or 62 are all going to be really good football players. So keeping seven wideouts, it depends on what else they want to sacrifice. Because if you keep a seventh one there, you got to lose somebody someplace else. I didn't even mention any of the linebackers. Yeah. They're they're stacked two teams deep at linebacker, where their backup linebackers four, five, and six would probably be linebackers two, three on a lot of other teams. So it's it's madness right now how good this roster is. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. With this, I want to I talk about linebackers in a second, but you mentioned defensive line. I think another uh, training camp favorite recently has been Efe Obata, uh, a player that maybe 
people just like Jake Kumro didn't think he would make the roster. Maybe he's on he was on the outside looking in. It sounds like from what people are writing about, people are talking about, that he almost seems like a roster lock at this point, which is in- insane to me because like there's there are good players at that position. That would mean somebody like a Vernon Butler gets cut. That would mean somebody like a Justin Zimmer gets cut or a Harrison Phillips gets cut, which is which is crazy. When you look at that position, and we can go into defensive end in a minute, but like defensive tackle. Uh, which Efe Obata kind of plays in between end and yep. tackle. I mean, where do you see that defensive line shaking out, at least on the interior? I, You know, with Obata, I've had him at, in my lock column since they signed him just because of how effective he is at getting to the quarterback. And knowing that we watched the, you know, the New York Giants do it to Tom Brady and – just have a wave of guys in that race car package when they were running out Strahan and Tuck and Newman Yora. And there's probably somebody else who I'm forgetting. I know there's another guy there, but they had all of these dudes who were ends who they could kick into the middle. And now you have Obata, you've got Groot, you've got Boogie, which talk about a great trio of names to hang out <laughs> there. Um, and how many times have I almost written F.A. Obama? in there <laughs> i'm talking about him like i'm gonna go with the president so i i screwed that up nine million times thanks to uh matt and matt for editing me very well but the the guys who you look at as those inside outside types defensive tackle is where that that line starts to be drawn because obviously latula coming back and oliver those guys are locks uh oliver you're not going to give up on a first round draft pick uh, after three years, even if he's quote unquote underwhelmed and Latulale with uh, his contract restructures and his bonuses, you, you'd have to pay him more to leave than to keep him. And they missed him clearly last year uh, because with him not being there to play that one tech to eat up space, you had to have either Oliver play the one tech, which he's not, or you had to have Vernon Butler play the one tech, which even though he's a big boy, he's been better served throughout his career, either as a three tech or as a five tech, that that outside three, four defensive end where he's been able to actually do some damage. He's not really a space eater. He's a, he's a big penetrator. Um, so looking at that, do you keep Butler? He's got a high cap number two. I think uh, I actually just wrote his that's going to go either tomorrow or the day after his cap number is like five and a half mil. And I think that if they cut him, his dead number is three and a half mil. So do they keep, because there's no shot that they keep Latulale and Oliver and Butler and Phillips and Zimmer. Just none. That, that can't happen. So do they want to cut uh, Butler and then maybe hang on to a Zimmer? And you could justify that by saying, well, we would have cut Zimmer, uh, and, which I don't think Zimmer has any guaranteed money on his contract. They cut him. They cut him. It's a zero dead hit. Uh, so we would have cut Zimmer and we keep Butler at five and a half mil, or do we pay Butler three and a half mil not to be here and keep Zimmer at 780? So we're really saving ourselves a million dollars. But then you still have four defensive tackles. And if you're looking at your edge group, it's Jerry Hughes, it's Mario Addison, it's AJ Epinesa, it's FA Obata, it's Greg Russo, and it's Boogie Basham. So there's 11 defensive linemen. I don't think you're keeping 10. They might, but if they do, do you keep – oh, and Daryl Johnson. I'm sorry. Johnson. Johnson. Okay, yeah. So what are you doing if if you're the guys? You're sitting there just going, oh, my gosh, sorry. Like somebody's got to go. Do you cut Addison? I don't think so. Do you cut Hughes? No, I don't think so. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm at a complete loss, and if you've, like, gunned to my head right now, I'm keeping three defensive tackles. And it's going to be Latule, it's going to be Oliver, and it's it's going to be Zimmer. And I, I love Harrison Phillips. Great dude. I, I'm not convinced that he's anything more than just a guy in terms of his football stuff. I'd never say that to his face because probably – well, actually, he seems like such a nice dude. He'd probably he say, I'm going to prove you wrong. Don't worry about your opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that Butler is not worth the cap. And I'm going to try to squeak in there with my extra defensive end because I, I would rather I'd rather cut Phillips and keep Daryl Johnson than cut Daryl Johnson and keep Phillips just so I can have four specific defensive tackles. Mm-hmm. 
even though I, I kind of contradicted myself because I was talking about how with Latula lay hurt or out when he opted out, they, they didn't have a one tech and Harrison Phillips is a one tech. Zimmer is not a one tech. Uh, so maybe you keep Phillips around because he's the other space eater. He's the direct backup to star, but the, the too long didn't read version of this conversation is that there's going to be dudes cut and they would have played big time snaps in years past. Like we're not that far removed from Eddie Yarborough being the, the third defensive end or the fourth defensive end along with Ryan Davis. <laughs> and I'm fairly that neither of those guys is in the NFL anymore. And that's three years ago. They were playing huge snaps on this team. And now we're talking about, I don't think we can keep all of the good dudes that we have. Yeah. And next year, the position group's going to look totally different because I don't think you're going to have Addison in 2022, nor do I think you'll have Hughes in 2022. I think we'll be looking at a defensive end rotation of Epinesa and Obata and uh, Boogie and Group. That's mm -hmm. that's probably what you're going to be looking at. That's why Bean drafted the way he did, knowing that he's got two 33, 34-year-old defensive ends uh, who are getting there. So you stock the cupboard up so that you're not grasping for straws. You've got the guys there. They can get into the system. They get acclimated. And then they, they get after it when they're, when they're ready to go. So I, I think, though, that this year, you, you don't cut Addison. He's a leader. He gets after the quarterback. He didn't make sacks. Sure, he didn't have 10, 11 sacks, but he had five and a half. And still, he tied for the team lead uh, with A.J. Klein. And you're not going to cut Jerry Hughes. He's the most tenured player here. That's that's not how you maintain the locker room culture that they have. You don't just get rid of your guys who are leaders. So I, I think that that's those two guys I'm keeping. And it's it's going to lead to some tough decisions at the back end there. But uh, we'll have to see. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of a... It's a tough problem to have, but it's also a good problem to have in, in many respects. And and I and I'm with you. You know, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I'm glad I don't have to make these decisions for the Bills and hope that they, that we get them right. I can't see them cutting Hughes or Addison only because they have such a such a young group behind them that they could. Yep. They Brandon Bean doesn't like having uh, young guys without these mentors ahead of them. Um, and that's kind of one of the one of the good things that they've done. They don't just they don't just let these usually like the rookies and second year players just hang them out to dry. They usually try to get them, you know, uh, veterans in front of them just so they can get them ready. And and uh, you you mentioned something cool the 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 Giants NASCAR package that they ran against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. And it's so funny because we haven't had a talented defensive line like this in the past and it's exciting to think about if you were to to put down your top four pass rushers um, at any position for a nascar pass package for a race car package for an obvious passing downs you want to get to the opposing quarterback who are your top four that you're putting on the field as of now to, to, to sack quarterback yeah it's like I've got so many options that I, I feel real good about it because I Obata's in there. Okay. And I think I want Russo in there too, from what I've been reading. That guy is just mm -hmm. killing people. Mm -hmm. And from what I saw of his, his collegiate works, and it's funny how this actually works out because the scouting report on him from NFL.com said that Russo uh, got a lot of his sacks from zero looks right over the nose guard. And he said, the guy who was the evaluator said, that's not going to happen in the NFL. Well, guess what, brother? That's exactly what's going to happen on Buffalo's defense. You're going to put him in the middle there so that he can get after it. So I, I think I, I've got Russo lined up right over the center. I've got Obata in there. I'm going to put Hughes out there. And then I'm really going to flip a coin between a guy like Epinesa, who I really like, uh, and I thought that as the year went on last year, he did a much better job setting the edge. And uh, and even somebody like Addison, who did a nice job, except for when Kyler Murray rolled out and, and flung Harry down the field. But that's, you know, the one everybody's allowed one. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that I'm, I'm going to go with those two old guys with uh, with Russo 
in the middle along with Obata in there. And if I've got Addison on one end, I've got Hughes on the other and, and I've got Groot and I've got, uh, Obata in the middle there. I like that foursome. And then if one of those guys needs a break, I still didn't even mention Boogie who can gets down in there at six, three, two seventy. Like that's, that's about Ed Oliver's size right in there at six, two, two ninety. Uh, and then you've got, um, my God, you've got Epinesa. Am I forgetting somebody? You didn't even, you didn't even technically say Ed Oliver in the middle, um, three tech, which, which he has shown some, some, you know, uh, pass rush as well. It's not like he, he can't do it. I mean, he, he, he's there. He maybe just not as, as obvious as some of the other guys, but I feel like a third and 10, I'm probably taking him out and, and I'm going to let him go and be fresh on first and second down. Mm-hmm. And then if it's, you know, third and two, yeah, I'm, I'm putting him in there. Or maybe I take him out there and I put my two big boys in there. Maybe mm-hmm. it's star and Butler, mm-hmm. or if I've cut Butler, then maybe it's star and Zimmer, or maybe it's star and, uh, and Phillips mm-hmm. sitting in there, taking up some space. Mm-hmm. They've, they've got so many options and this is who's to say they won't go with some odd front looks. And, and overload because again, AJ Klein showed a real nice ability to get to the quarterback last year. He did. Uh, one of the things that they went away from that I loved last year, uh, I didn't love that they went away from it. I loved it when they used it in 2019. It was a lot of those double A gap looks with uh, with Edmonds and Milano. They went away from it uh, when it was Edmonds and Klein, probably because nobody had any respect for Klein dropping into coverage. They knew, all right, well, if that idiot drops back, we're going to throw it at him. And if he doesn't, well, we know he's coming. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that if you go with some of those odd fronted looks too, where you can sneak Klein in behind somebody, and then you've got either Edmonds or Milano or Taron Johnson or Levi Wallace or Dane Jackson or Tredavious White or Jordan Poyer or Micah Hyde coming off the edge you could really mess with some guys and it's, it's going to be fun to watch how they do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now you mentioned uh cornerback and I'm really curious and I, you know, at the beginning of the season, you, you obviously you're talking about Tredavious white as your cornerback one on one side of the field. And then you have options at the other side, Levi Wallace, the veteran starter, you have uh, Dane Jackson in his second season as a seventh rounder, Last year, you have Rashad Wild Goose as a six-round rookie, and uh, it was a position that a lot of people thought that they were going to upgrade at, um, you know, veteran, and they still might. They definitely might. They could use some depth, I'm sure. Um, but it sounds like Levi Wallace is taking the job right now. Are you surprised by that at all? Or I mean, does it does it just kind of keep with his mo? Man, he just does not give up. Yeah, he he's the the Rasputin of the cornerback group. He no matter how many times they try to kill him, they poison him, they throw him in the river, they shoot him like he's he's fine. He's there. I mean, he is that guy who, you know, exactly what you're going to get. He's a solid zone cover. He always makes good reads on the ball coming in. Uh, He's going to struggle against guys with size. He's going to struggle in man to man coverage, but he keeps getting a little bit better. And from what I've read, it's been the consistency there. Jackson has flashed and then looked horrible and then flashed and then looked horrible. And Wallace has looked like Wallace. So to that end, I'm not that surprised. I'm a little disappointed that Jackson didn't play better or hasn't played better to this point. But then again, he's a seventh round pick in just his second NFL training camp. So it's not terribly unsurprising that he hasn't like come out and set the world on fire as much as we as fans would love to see him do that. Um, I am happy that they haven't done the, uh, you know, sign the random over the hill veteran corner of the month yet at this point, uh, arguably of the three times that they've done it. The one where it worked was Kevin Johnson and even he was okay at best. Uh, Norman played, like you would have expected Josh Norman to play last year. He, he looked a step slow in man-to-man and when he was playing zone and against competition that maybe wasn't as, as sound, he did very well. Um, and then, of course, there was Devontae Davis fiasco a, a few years back. But this is – I'm glad they haven't panicked and gone to the well, that they've, they've trusted themselves in there. I'm interested in Wild Goose. Um, I'm also interested in, in the two undrafted guys that they have, uh, Elijah Griffin, uh, for more than just, uh, the fact that he's Warren G's son 
and also uh, McLeod, the the Notre Dame kid. I I read a lot of good things about him. So it's I'm interested to see how those guys compete and if they give themselves any shot at, at sticking around. Uh, I imagine that it's wild gooses uh, to lose. I almost said chase, which would have been horrible, but that's you know <laughs> where we go sometimes with the corny jokes. I, I think that uh, I, I think that you're going to look and see Wallace and Jackson use they'll use them to their strengths. Jackson is a, a decent man guy who I, I think as the year progresses, I hope anyway, he'll he'll just continue to get better. And hopefully Wallace continues to improve like he did last year. Um, I, I remember the second week of the year uh, when Fitzpatrick was just throwing the ball wherever the hell he wanted to throw it. It was mostly looking at who Wallace was guarding and throwing it at him. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the year, that wasn't happening to him anymore. So I, I think that his improvement as he keeps aging and as he keeps working, similar to Allen in the sense that people doubt him and there's a chip on his shoulder and he's kind of used to proving people wrong. So I, I think that he at this point, he seems to revel in it. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm here and I'm competing for my job and I'm going to win it. I think a lot of people and a lot of fans uh, sometimes give Levi Wallace, they kind of make him the black sheep of the corner gra- or cornerback group only because he's just not Tredavious White. You know, he's I'm doing it. I, I know that I am and I'll, I'll admit it. When, when you have someone so good on the other side and then you look at that side, it's like anything less than like an almost an all pro level. Is just, yeah, I mean, I find myself doing that too when he gets burned, but it's like, you know, there are, I don't even know if there is a team that has two amazing cornerbacks like Tredavious White on there. So there's always going to be a guy that's not as good on the other side and he's going to get picked on. And if you have a, a red hot Ryan Fitzpatrick or, you know, a couple of seasons ago, we had a red hot um, Baker Mayfield against him and he was just dropping. I mean, there was, how much could Levi Wallace do? I mean, how much could any cornerback do when the guy's just dropping it into the bucket of a Jarvis Landry or, or an Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, these these aren't, these aren't you know, undrafted free agent wide receivers. These are very, very good wide receivers. So um, I, I love the story of Levi Wallace. I think he's one of the most underrated players on the team. And if it wasn't for his undrafted status, and I feel like that plays into it so much with these guys, unfortunately, it's, it's I think, I think he would be getting a lot more respect than he does. And uh, and yeah, yeah, I I mean, I like him. I know he'll never be Tredavious White. I don't think he would probably ever say he'll be that either. Not many people are. But uh, but I'm excited. I think he deserves another chance. And if nothing else, it gives Dean Jackson another year in the system to not have to be the starter because of how well Brandon Bean um, set up the roster. Yeah, agreed. And you know, the, the draft status following guys, you're right. Cause even like I'm looking over your shoulder and I see that Freddie Jackson Jersey and think about how often management at that point tried to replace him and they didn't need to, they kept draft. They draft Marshawn Lynch. You have Fred Jackson. They draft CJ Spiller. You have Fred Jackson and Marshawn Lynch. And what are you doing? Like, why do we keep trying to get rid of the guy? Just let him be good. Let him be that guy. Just because he was an undrafted free agent doesn't mean that he's not a solid football player. And a guy, I think, uh, with Cam Lewis in the secondary, too, a lot of guys kind of wrote him off. I did a little bit, uh, even though he and I share the same birthday. That's that's my dude. And Obata, all three of us, same thing, April 13th. Same year, too. Same year. You also uh, 22. I'm significantly older than both of those guys, unfortunately for myself. But they, uh, I'm sitting there looking at it, and Lewis, like Lewis, had a shot for a little bit there at beating out Taron Johnson, and then he got hurt. and And Johnson played a lot better in the second half. Johnson played so well that in the game against Kansas City, in the second half there, after because if you noticed in the first half, uh, Tyreek Hill did nothing. It was Travis Kelsey because Tre'Davious White was on Tyreek Hill. So in the second half, Travis Kelsey did nothing because Tredavious White was on him. But Hill burned us because they put Taron Johnson on him. And you could look at that as being, well, clearly Johnson isn't that great. But the coaching staff trusted him over Wallace, over Norman, to go run with that guy. And that's that's a big vote of confidence for a guy like Taron Johnson, too. It also kind of speaks to some of the limitations of the defense where you can't you can't play man. 
but you can't play zone. And that's also Kansas City because they're that flipping good. So mm-hmm. you kind of would like to be able to go ahead and, and go beat up on their quarterback, which kind of brings us full circle of that defensive line talk again. Yeah. So that's where they're, where they're building up this stable of talent where hopefully they can cover up where they, they have some matchup inefficiencies against some of the other teams in the league. Mm-hmm. Man, I could talk to you all night, Sean. I I wanted to ask you about linebackers because you mentioned it earlier, and you know you, you mentioned like the amount of depth that the Bills have on the defensive line, how many wide receivers they could keep, the fact that they can only and I'm thinking in my head, so I'm trying to figure out ways that we can save roster spots. You know, get rid of one quarterback, like you said, so there's only two quarterbacks that are active on the roster, and I could also see limiting the amount of linebackers because the Bills really, for the most part run nickel defense. So they really only need two two linebackers on the time. I think it was like they they had it was was in the 90th percentile of nick running the nickel defense or something. It was it was I think by far the most in the league. They were they were more likely to take a defensive lineman off the field than they were to take a defensive back off the field. They would they'd go with that odd fronted and and go ahead and go. But you're right. They would sit there and go with two linebackers because ideally You've got Edmonds and Milano on the field. And that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Klein comes in when it's an obvious rundown or when it's in a goal line package. Uh, Matikevich never should play defense, ever. God <laughs> bless the guy. I mean, he looks like, uh, what do you call it? The guy from Game of Thrones. You, you, oh. know, you know the guy that I'm talking John about? John Snow. You're not talking John Snow, are you? <laughs> oh, John Snow, he looks like the big redheaded fellow. Oh, the, yeah. The uh, Yes, I know exactly who you're talking about. Giants Bane, whatever. It's yeah, yeah, Giants Bane. Oh my God, for a minute. All right. So you've got Matikevich as the special teams ace, but then you, you have some legit pros uh, like Tyrell Adams in the back there, who they got from Houston. You've got Tyrell Dodson, who they've hung around and who they really like. Uh, you've got Andre Smith, who they clearly really like, because towards the end of last year, it was Smith who was active on game days, not Dodson. And uh, and then you've got Joe Giles Harris, who has played in the NFL and also kind of makes me sing Jay Giles in my head. So it, it all works out. You, you've got a lot of really good players there. So, again, if you want to keep that extra wide receiver, do you only go with five linebackers? So then who do you keep? Do you keep Adams? Do you keep Dodson? Do you get rid of do you keep Smith as the fifth guy? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's where I think they'll probably go with six for special teams reasons. But that that's, again, they're going to cut a guy who's a good football player there, whether it's Dodson or Adams or Smith. I don't think it'll be Matikiewicz. I think Matikiewicz is, is one of those like core dudes at the third level where, where you need him. And I, I feel like Smith is that, too. Although he's younger, I think they're essentially grooming him where when, when Matikiewicz's contract expires at the end of this year or next, I think that they'll they'll have Smith as that guy mm-hmm. in there. So I, I almost think that Dodson is on his way out. They'll keep Adams, or I, I don't know what they'll do otherwise. Because do, do, you, do you cut Adams after bringing in the solid veteran guy? Because they saw what happened last year when, when Milano got hurt. They were stuck, so they needed somebody else who could play and obviously Milano is is not a typical linebacker in that most of them can't handle playing three downs, covering running backs and tight ends man to man and playing zone and blitzing like that guy's that guy's excellent. We are talk about great scouting and, and great fortune to have been able to draft that guy in round five. Um, it's 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 another deep positional group where the top two are obvious. Klein is there. Matikiewicz is probably there. And then numbers five, six, seven are all kind of the same guy. So what do you do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting to see where that shakes out. A lot of cool. It's funny with with a, a group that's returning most of its starters, we still found a way to talk for an hour about all these positional groups and all the players that might shift in and out of the roster when the 53 man cut down comes. It's, it's crazy. Um, the Bills' first preseason game is coming up this next week. Uh, the Bills are playing the Lions, and it's going to be the first time that we get to see some of these players 
on the field. And I mean, you and I were mentioning we haven't seen each other in a couple of years for, for, uh, for when the Bills were at St. John Fisher the last time. And last year they had no preseason games. So this is literally the first time we're seeing preseason action in a couple of years. I mean, what are you going to be looking for as you're watching this game? Is there, is there anything that you want to see up front where guys are lined up? Uh, you know, wh- which positions, I mean, I mean, what's, what's your focus? Or are you just going to sit back and enjoy the game? I, most of the time when I'm watching the preseason, I just sit back and I enjoy it. That's the big thing. Every once in a while, I'll look and think of like the battles here, the battles there. I think that one of the things that, that the, the pandemic taught us is that maybe football players don't really need the preseason games anymore. And I, this might be an antiquated thing that uh, allows owners to make a whole bunch of money over a uh, very little actual return for the players. It's not like, you know, it's the 1960s and these guys are smoking pall malls on the field and they're working as insurance salesmen in the off season. These guys are, are 12 month athletes. So, I'm looking for the Bills not to play any of their starters. I don't want to see those guys at all. I don't want to see Josh Allen. I don't I don't want to see Stephon Diggs. I'll wait to see Emmanuel Sanders catch his first pass in week one when they go ahead and play Pittsburgh. Like that, that's what I'll wait for. Um, so really, the guy who I'm most interested in seeing, and I know I kind of like poo-pooed him a little bit before and said I would cut this dude, is Jake Fromm kind of want to see what the the rookie quarterback looks like what the I I jokingly referred to him as the the quarantine quarterback the break glass in case of emergency guy mm-hmm. last year was what I used to call him in all of the the inactives that I would do on game days but I I'd like to see what he looks like I want to see Marquez Stevenson I want to see Isaiah Hodgins uh I want to see what some of these we didn't even talk about the offensive line I know because we've got all these interior guys in there like is Forrest Lamp competing to start or is Forrest Lamp the annual like Brandon Bean signed this guy so that we can trade him for a fifth round pick um are we those two giants that they drafted at tackle uh Brown and Doyle are we are we going to be able to see those guys go in there uh those are kind of the things that I'm I'm going to be looking at like which kids get in which young guys get in and how do they react to it in that case? And then obviously we just want to see no injuries. Oh, and Antonio Williams, baby, like everybody's favorite uh, backup running back to talk about his has been Christian Wade for all these like last few years. I am like all aboard, baby, on the Antonio Williams train, like after watching him just plow through Miami's defense. And I hate Miami. So that's. <laughs> And I mean that as disrespectfully as possible. <laughs> Every Miami fan who might be listening to a random Buffalo Bills podcast, I cannot see Miami Dolphins at all. So watching him just shred that defense that was, oh, supposed to be so good. And they actually had something to play for. You know, they needed to win to get into the playoffs. Buffalo mm-hmm. had nothing to play for at that point. Watching Williams just shred them was nice. And that man runs angry. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see... If he gets some opportunities, Matt Breida, I'm interested to see if that guy can get some opportunities here. Maybe he pushes somebody like Taiwan Jones off the roster because he's got some special teams viability. Um, some beat reporters have like beaten around the bush about where Jake Kumaro was playing. Is he going to line up a tight end? Like, am I, am I going to see that guy lined up as like a, the flex tight end to uh, Dawson Knox's inline? You know, can I get something like that? And does that affect somebody like Tommy Sweeney or like or is Jacob Hollister just here because uh, of his association with Josh Allen from college? Uh, Does a guy like Tanner Gentry, speaking of Allen's college teammates, (laughs) Mm -hmm. get to shine a little bit? How does Mitchell Trubisky look? Is Mitchell Trubisky here to be the backup or is he here to be? The A.J. McCarron Memorial, I'm getting a fifth round pick out of this guy. I hope not. I think that the Trubisky signing was low key the smartest thing that Brandon Bean did all offseason, because if Allen gets hurt and he has to miss three games, you want somebody who can kind of almost run the playbook. So can Trubisky somewhat similar? He's got the mobility. He's got the arm strength. Obviously, he's not as good as Allen is, but he can do a lot of the things that Matt Barkley couldn't. 
So I guess there's more than I'm looking forward to in the preseason than I thought. When it comes down to it, I'm, I'm just a football nerd, man. I just want to see it. You're like, I just want to see, make sure nobody gets hurt. Also, I want to break down every single positional group. <laughs> My wife will ask me that. She'll be like, why are you watching this? Like, these guys are going to get cut. And I'm like, well... Well, honey, I have to write about it. It's my job. And then she'll usually say something that I won't say on a family show. And we'll go ahead and, and talk about why this is. But I'll, yeah. I'll get going. And that's that's it. I could watch it for nothing. And then I could watch it to break the whole damn thing down. It all depends. Absolutely. If, if it's anything like my wife, too, she'll, there's probably going to be an eye roll. And, you know, it's like like a sigh or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sit there and be like, ah, it's you know, it's the fourth quarter of a preseason game. Who cares? Like, this is where the big stuff comes out. This is where those guys happen. Exactly. That's 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 where everyone else tunes or tunes out, but you start really tuning in. That's what separates you. Memes, man. (laughs) Well, man, the the Bills' uh, first preseason game is this Friday, August thirteenth at seven p.m. Um, against the Lions in Detroit on the NFL Network. Sean, uh, it's been a while since we've talked. It's so good to talk to you again. You make this effortless um, every time that we've done this and uh, and really appreciate you coming on and uh, and lending your expertise on, on, uh, on our favorite team. You're a gentleman and a scholar, my friend. It's been fun. Where can people find, obviously they can find all your work on buffalorumblings.com. Um, highly recommend it. Uh, where else can they find you? Are you on social media or anywhere that they can they can follow your work? I am even more anonymous than Bruce Nolan because not only do I not have uh, my own face, but my my Twitter handle, unless you're really interested in Section 9 New York State High School softball, you're not going to want to follow my Twitter handle. So you just find all my stuff on Buffalo Rumblings. Go follow all our other guys. Uh, You know, Scarecrow is an awesome follow. My guy, Dan LaBoy, Matt Warren is excellent. Uh, We got a whole slew of awesome humanoids. So you go ahead and follow those guys and uh check in with me on the website when it's there. Absolutely. And and I've talked to several of them, um, almost all, all the ones that you just mentioned. And uh, man, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you guys lending your insight. And, uh, and we'll, you know, we'll have to do this again soon, man. Heck yeah. Thank you. Don Brown. Yeah. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the Bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the Bills. It's the mafia, I'm with the Buffalo Bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the Bills. Hey, hey. Who you repping? What's your team? Who you repping? What's your team? You know I'm repping for my team. I got that talent on my team. Like a high Jordan boy, can you catch it? Trade day is like a mask, you're not catching anything. Matt Milano making plays, we not scared of any team. Best in the AFC, all the praise of Brandon Bean. You hear Sean McDermott clapping while I'm snapping? Do you? Jerry Hughes will get the sack soon as you snap it. Andre Roberts running back, ain't no just backing. Mafia, we on a ride and we got traction. We got BZ, we got digs. Dawson Knox with the stiff arm, treat opponents just like his Feliciano, Deion Dawkins, block defenders like the fence Hey, it's the mafia, I said no one on top of us I said no one is blocking us on top of our division So it's clear that it's no stopping us Google best team in the league and we popping up Hey, who you reppin', what's your team? Who you reppin', what's your team? You know I'm reppin' for my team I got a salad on my team it's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Yeah. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Uh. It's the mafia, I'm with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Hey, it's the mafia, I said no one on top of us. I said no one is blocking us on top of our division. So it's clear that it's no stopping us. Google best team in the league, and we popping up. Home game for the playoffs, but you already snow. Gabe Davis is a rookie, but he playing like a pro. Uh. Going through a table, only time we ever fold. Can you? 17 by the tickets to the bowl. Hey, uh, don't you run it? No. Oliver and Trey Edmonds gonna be on it. On it. We got Corey, but we barely ever punt it. Cause we just running up the score on our opponent. We got BZ, we got digs. Single Terry by the juke him out of shoes. Make a miss. Run it in. Zach also throw the digs. It's for sick. Terry Johnson pick six to the house. Take a flick. Hey, it's the mafia. You know I'm rocking with the bills. It's the mafia. You know I'm rocking with the bills. It's the mafia. I'm with the Buffalo Bills. It's the mafia. You know I'm rocking with the bills. Hey, hey, you repping with your team? Who you repping with your team? You know I'm repping for my team. It's that big.
what you mean? Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate. <laughs> Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com slash Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.